Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. An Erio's original. Hey everyone, thanks a million for listening. If you like this podcast, the best way to support it is by doing the SRR method. Subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends because word of mouth is a great way to spread the news. Okay, let's get down to business. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Now before we get started, I just want to warn our listeners that today's episode has some disturbing content. Now, at The Alarmist, we're always talking about disturbing content, 
But uh, this one in particular is about murder. And so we just wanted to let everyone know in in case this is something that you don't want to listen to. So I didn't know uh, much about the preppy murder. Our guest today was actually the one who put me on to it. But I did live in New York City while I was going to college and uh, afterward for a period of time. And I, you know, this, this took place actually very near my workplace. So I knew all of the spots and it, it felt so close and so scary that I thought we just have to do it. So let's dive in. On the evening of August 25th, 1986, 18-year-old Jennifer Levin and a friend went out for drinks at Dorian's Red Hand on the Upper East Side, a local prep school hangout. Later that night, she was seen talking to Robert Chambers, a handsome, charming 19-year-old. It is believed that the two of them left the bar in the early morning. A few hours later, around 6 a.m., Jennifer Levin's body was found in Central Park near the Metropolitan Museum of Art near 83rd and 5th Ave. It was found by a bicyclist. She was half naked with bruises, bite marks, and strangulation wounds around her neck. Robert Chambers claimed Levin was forcing him into rough sex when he accidentally killed her. He was charged, tried, and found guilty of Jennifer's murder. The trial was heavily publicized, and the case popularized the strategy later colloquially termed the rough sex defense. Not-so-fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. Jennifer Levin was due to start college one week after her murder. The defense sought to depict Levin as a promiscuous woman who kept a sex diary. However, no such diary existed. Levin instead kept a small notebook that contained the names and phone numbers of her friends and notations of ordinary appointments. The jury was at a deadlock. So on the ninth day of deliberations, Chambers was offered a plea deal. He accepted for first-degree manslaughter and got 15 years. You know, it's just uh, one of these terrible cases. And I'm glad to have with me today one of my dear friends, loyal, supportive friends, Nicole Shabtai. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Hi, Nicole. Now, um, you were actually the person who turned me on to this case, correct? Correct. I grew up in New York City on the Upper East Side 20 years after the preppy murder. But I don't think, you know, anyone who grew up in any neighborhood where there was a very famous kind of high profile murder, you can't really like escape it, especially if, you know, the bar where you know these two people met up before the murder was still around and in high school it, it still was wow um yeah people got in basically i should just tell you like new york city kids grow up fast yeah. <laughs> um that might not be a surprise to anybody <laughs> um, but uh i remember being you know 15 years old walking up and down 2nd Avenue in the 80s, kind of like around that area where Dorian's is, and just like smoking cigarettes and like seeing what bars we could get into. Just because I was like 
always in love with like some senior boy and like was, they were hanging out at Dorian's they were hanging out not at Dorian's they were they used to hang out at a place called Sushi Generation um, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, it's a sushi restaurant where I guess they served alcohol to minors not their faults because the kids that I knew had really good fake IDs oh um, okay. like really like high end very expensive yeah fake ideas. Where did you even get these fake ideas? Are we allowed to talk about that? I'm not sure, but there was a kid in my high school who made them. Um, At the time, the New Jersey license plate, uh, license plate, the New Jersey driver's license was like laminated. Uh So it was really easy to replicate. And, you know, it it wasn't far-fetched that you would just come in from New Jersey to go to Sushi Generation. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wow, we're so popular in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, I grew up on the Upper East Side and I know I sound like a very cool person because I used to smoke cigarettes. Um, (laughs) I was also and still am just an extremely anxious person. Yes. I'm trying to like get into this story, which I, I feel like. I've I've told so many times, if you've ever heard me on stage or on pretty much any podcast, I'm sure I've already told this story, <laughs> um, but it is it is my defining story. So okay, here we are. Us. Basically, um, so again, I grew up in New York City. My mom was a single mom and was always just trying to kind of like keep us safe. And, and all of my friends were always allowed to do things before me, you know, go out later at night or even just like um, little things like... Uh, walk to the the corner store Uh or in my case take taxis by themselves and that's like a huge like rite of passage if you grow up in new york city the first time you're allowed to take a taxi by yourself oh wow and that's before you ride the subway by yourself that's way before you ride the subway by yourself i didn't ride the subway by myself until i was 23 years old (laughs) um and that tells you a lot I think about me my yeah. uh my my now current- I don't doubt that that's true it's a hundred it's a hundred percent true <laughs> well I should tell you also that my mom to keep us safe put the fear of God and rape yeah in us yes. <laughs> um and basically you know said like you cannot ride on the subway because you will get raped and murdered and all the terrorists are in the subway she was just really like trying to keep me mostly at home so I'm 13 years old. My mother also tells me about taxi drivers and how they could rape me and kill me, um, <laughs> too. And and most importantly, we live next to the FDR Drive, which is a highway yeah. in New York City. We live three blocks away from it. And she tells me that I should absolutely never let a taxi driver take me on the FDR Drive because he could rape me, kill me, chop me up, right. and then take me God knows where. Easy and then, access. And then it, yeah. they could take me wherever. wherever. And, 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 and my mom will never see me again. And I believed every single thing that my mom said. And so once I was allowed to take taxis, which I was like 14 years old, I had a system in place. Also, I looked about 30 (laughs) when I was 14 because I would also like wear my mom's clothes. Like I thought I was like Carrie Bradshaw. Um, But (laughs) also 100% (laughs) a child. And so I would get into a taxi and I would say, you know, we lived on 82nd Street. So I would say, yeah, turn on a Turn on 81st Street and head west. Oh, so you wanted to be the boss of the taxi. I was the boss. Backseat driving. Backseat driving. I would not tell the taxi driver where I was going. I would tell him how I wanted to oh go. Oh, my God. So that they would never take me on the FDR Don't drive. trust anyone. I don't trust. So, 
Okay, turn on 81st Street and head west. And most of the time, this would work. One day, I get into a taxi and I forget my system. And I say, I'm going to 68th Street um, between 2nd and 3rd. And like that, the taxi is off. And I'm like, oh, just kidding. Turn on 81st Street and head uh, head west. <laughs> and uh, And he's just like flying. And I'm like, okay, not a problem. I'm like, just turn on 79th Street. Just turn on... Uh, 79th Street and head west. And he says, no, we're going to take the FDR drive because it's so much better. And he probably didn't say it like that. He probably just said, we're going to take the FDR drive because it's so much better. But truly, in my mind, that's what it sounded like. And so, you know, we are turning now on to the FDR drive uh-huh. and I'm in a taxi and I know you're getting killed. I'm, I'm being kidnapped. Yeah. I, I know it for a yes. fact. And truly my fight or flight response kicks in as we are turning onto a highway and I just open the door (laughs) and I roll out of the taxi (laughs) on the FDR into oncoming traffic and I am like dodging cars I am in an action movie okay I am like saving my own goddamn life because you got to be a hero for yourself in this world and I run to a building actually the building that Bette Midler lived in in beaches and I run in and I say to the doorman I'm like a taxi driver just tried to kidnap me and I'm crying and 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 people tried to help you know um it was it was truly I think only 10 years later when I was in therapy that I realized that maybe a taxi driver did not right try to kidnap me it's possible um but we'll never know we'll never know but uh, probably not I would say 99.9 percent not and you would say that that fear of life or death yes of being kidnapped of being killed in New York City Mm mm-hmm was spawned because of the preppy murder case. I think it's partial I think it's partially because yes. of that. I think partially because of that. Yeah. I mean I, I did not live in New York City. I was uh growing up in Miami, but my mom used the same tactics. Right. Um it was like I think there was a a, a Westchester rapist. Um sure. <laughs> the Westchester's the the neighborhood in, of yeah, Miami. Miami. And my mom was like lock your doors. Um my neighbor I was best friends with my neighbor. And I, my mom would walk me to my neighbor's house. Oh, yeah. Also, it, you know, we're going to talk about why this is. But the, this particular murder and trial really started this, like, don't ask for it kind of mentality. Well, right. And I think that, that, that that's what's so interesting. And I'm so glad we're talking about it today. Just in, like, my favorite thing right now is to look at media from the past either the far distant past or even just like in you know 2007 when Matt Lauer is interviewing Britney Spears and and just see like huh what are we looking at really uh-huh you know what I mean like it's like uh, what was that message that was being told to, to us, us. <laughs> right exactly because I'm watching just before we get into this this Matt Lauer interview. I'm sure you all remember it from 2007 with Britney Spears and she's pregnant and she's mentally ill and he is poking her and poking her and poking her into crying. Oh, God. And basically what you're watching is just like, oh, like this is a 
<laughs> predator. Um, uh, you know, uh, poking a, a, a mentally ill person into crying, and yeah. we were lo- and at the time we were looking at it, we we're like, Britney Spears, what a mess. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? God. And it's like. Wait a minute. She's so tragic. It's it, yeah. So anyway, I think that it's really interesting to look at this because, especially like with the New York Post headlines and yeah. and you know, I, I for people who never were uh, lived in 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 uh, in New York City, the New York Post is kind of like the most like sensationalistic yeah. kind of tactless headline maker. I always thought of the New York Post as like the thing that you saw or or read on the subway and then it was like it, it, it's like a 20 minute like forget about it garbage oh, yeah, it's garbage it's garbage <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. just like helps you forget that you're being like stuffed like a sardine into a disgusting totally. smelling cart totally and it has to be so insane what they write about has to be so insane yeah that you you forget for a second right totally it's sensational it's sensational and what they did i think to this young woman is criminal yes so who's did- to blame <laughs> <laughs> <Near bust. laughs> um, but did you by any chance watch the documentary uh the preppy murder death in central park i i wanted to i didn't get a chance to do it but you know i've watched a bunch of things on this but i'm i'm really glad that they're doing kind of like a retrospective now on it's the fantastic case. i i highly recommend it um it's directed by ricky stern and sunberg who do a really good job on a very sensitive you know topic and piece so let's start by kind of talking about where this all takes place yes. right and robert Ch- who is robert chambers who is he? right we should also talk about who is jennifer levin yeah right yeah so jennifer levin is 18 years old she just moved or or she didn't just move but her family had recently gotten divorced and moved in from long island to soho so they were living in Soho, which in 1986, it's a it's totally not the Soho that you yeah. know today. Yes, <laughs> it was gritty. So, so she's kind of a, a downtown girl. Yes, I mean the the pictures that you you see uh, of her, she was like a cool, yeah, she cool. A really cool downtown girl. Yeah, but she met this. Um, I, I guess she was working at a French Connection. I think I recall, <laughs> which I think is the store French Connection. Yeah, yeah. right. She makes a friend at the store who is from the Upper East Side. And this friend kind of like ingratiates her into Into this this Upper East Side scene. It's like a private school scene that still exists today. And there's like politics and and different schools and and like there's great schools and then there's kind of like the schools that you get like you get sent to if you get kicked out of the great schools. Well, and, I, I yeah. have a, you're the you're an expert on this. I'm an expert you're, on this. Yes. I mean, literally. <laughs> this is the only thing I'm an expert on. <laughs> so Robert Chambers, among the schools he attended were St. David's School. Yes. Choate Rosemary Hall. Yes, those are very high-end waspy schools. Waspy schools. He goes, then he goes to the Browning School. Very high-end, very waspy, yes. And then York Prep. Very low-end. Okay. But still, like, you know, it's, York Prep is kind of like, if you can't make it anywhere, it's it's where you go. And, And I'm so sorry to anyone I know 
um, <laughs> who went there and if I'm shitting on it. Um, but it was for troubled kids. It was for troubled kids. Well, as this far makes as I a, remember, a lot of sense. So he gets kicked out of Browning. Yeah. Right. Because it, this time it's for stealing a teacher's wallet and he barely graduates York prep. Right. His grades are terrible. But he does graduate. I I just want to say also that his mother, so he's like of the world kind of, but he's not from the world. Exactly. His mother was a nurse. Yes. Right. To the Kennedys or no. She uh, did. She did work for Jacqueline Onassis at one point. Um, Yeah, she she is, you know, she took care of these rich, older people. And I think that there was a lot of pressure for him, at least, to be part of this kind of society. But he he had problems, clearly. uh, clearly. Yes, but she was the one who really pushed him to go to these schools. Yes. From everything I've read, it, it says that he didn't like it. Right. And he felt like an outsider, which I mean... I can't imagine what not not that I'm uh, even trying to you know give an excuse for for what for, he did, right, of course. But it, it it would be hard to be of a different world and be going to these schools where like everyone's got these like fancy apartments and yeah. so much money. Yeah, it's uh, I I I yeah, it's I can only imagine for him. But he was also. He was perhaps a, a sociopath. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm. I'm confident yeah, when yeah. I say that I would have dealt with it better. I think you would have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he turns to uh, stealing a lot, but besides the point, he um, he goes to College of Basic Studies at Boston University, mm-hmm. and he gets kicked out essentially for academic reasons right now he goes back to, to new york, new york and yeah he's yeah. living at his mom's house right. or apartment um his mom is upset with him i'm sure sure because he got kicked out and on top of that he is a drug addict right and an alcoholic right and he's just kind of like spiraling out of control Right. And we're talking about the summer of 1986. This is the summer of 1986. So let me just set the stage for you about what a summer is like in New York City. Oh, tell us. Uh, <laughs> for, for private school kids. Yes. What happens is that a lot of people, they have summer homes. It's like, where do you summer? Uh-huh. Um, as if summer is a verb, um, <laughs> which is crazy. And so a lot of kids are going out to the Hamptons or their parents are going to the Hamptons. Or their parents are going to Europe. And especially, I think, in the 80s, you know, parents are kind of like really leaving their kids home alone in these big fucking fancy yeah. apartments. Yeah. And kids are having parties and there's drugs and there's sex. And it's really like living this very fancy New York life, but you're a child. So it's it's a really strange thing. I remember feeling so much like I was an adult, but absolutely I wasn't. Right. You know? And also it's the but it's also the same as like anywhere else like your kids are about to go to college they have boyfriends and girlfriends they're breaking up they're you know like yeah. there's a lot of just... I mean my parents never left me alone really ever, ever. yeah I can't remember and if I, I if they did go happen to go on like a weekend to I, I honestly I really can't remember a time that they left but 
you know, where were they going to go? I guess was the is is the big question. They would leave me with my grandma, and right. that was like even worse. Like, Terrible. please don't leave me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That was like going to prison for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I honestly like when you tell me these stories, I can't believe it. Like they would just go to the Hamptons for like a month. Yeah, I think your your parents are like living basically in the Hamptons and maybe your dad comes in to work. I mean, right. I, you know, I don't know. Right, 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 uh, right. So there's people around, there's I'm sure. There's people around a little bit, maybe, or your parents are just gone. Yeah. And like maybe like your babysitter is there. <laughs> um, Your babysitter from growing up is there during the day and then no one's there with you at night. Right, because you're sleeping. You're sleeping. So you don't need anyone You don't there. need anyone. You got a doorman downstairs. Right. So it's That's like, yeah, it's wild. like a different thing. You're basically just, you're living just up in the sky. Living that life. Literally in a building. And so he, what I, from what I read and and from what I saw in the documentary, he would go to these ragers and he got a kind of a reputation for stealing jewelry. Yeah. Or stealing things. Every time there was a party, the next day they'd find out, oh my God, something's missing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. he started getting this reputation, but like no one was really talking about it or they maybe they were talking about no one was going up to him and being like yo dude what you're doing is wrong yeah because probably he was terrifying i mean i imagine if you like i i've maybe it's only like in retrospect like i'm looking at like who this guy what he looks like and to me he looks terrifying like if that motherfucker came into my house and stole my mom's jewelry i'd be like okay you can have it (laughs) no he looks terrifying to you because he's six four 220 pounds yeah and has dead eyes yes it is true he He does dead eyes so today we're gonna find out who's to blame for Jennifer Levin not getting the justice that she deserved. Mm -hmm. But also the aftermath. Sure. The trial. How it all went down. Yeah. Because it was such an important trial. It really changed the way, um, essentially, like, the the use of victim blaming. Oh, yeah. She was asking for it. What was she wearing? She was, you know, a person who had a sex diary. Um, you know, she was a... She was a horny, she was a horny gal. You know what I mean? Like, it's like as if like that has anything to do with anything. Right. She got murdered. She got murdered. So. Also, he claimed that. that Okay. The defense is insane. (laughs) Okay. So the the defense was that she was on top of him. So they were. Raping him. Yes. That she was raping. She was the one, in fact, raping him. That's what he said. And he finally managed she had tied his hands behind his back Mm -hmm. with her underwear, I believe Mm -hmm. is what he said. And he managed to get a hand out. And that's when he grabbed her from behind and just threw her off. And then she was dead. Right. He grabbed her from the neck and then she was dead. Right. That's what he said. That's what he said. It literally, there's video. He, he, that's it. Crazy. Obviously crazy. Um, He's a 220 pound six six four four. she was five four half his weight the fact that he she she could have like overpowered him is absolutely ridiculous i mean he confessed to the murder pretty quickly i would say that that same day that they yeah they they found him him they questioned him and he was like immediately like yeah i did it but it was in self-defense because she was raping me right and i mean so so he he gets put into jail Mm -hmm. right 
and or not jail. He's he's, he's not in- out on bail. And they get this lawyer by the name of oh oh. First of all, before we even start talking about the lawyer, yes, I feel like we do need to talk about his parents. Let's please because I feel like they m- might need to go up on the board. I agree. There's a there's an uh, a a story. I, I think I got this from the. Uh, documentary as well where he starts to date this girl and the mom is there when when the girl goes on a date with robert chambers Mm -hmm. and the mom sees him it's like oh he's so handsome uh oh good have fun guys the next day american express calls the mom and says do you know where your daughter's credit card has been used and she was like, no, apparently it had been used at all of these expensive stores. And I think he had uh, they had racked up like three thousand dollars in one day. And they the people on the phone, it's 1986. So they give her a description of the person that's using this card. Right. And she was like, oh, my God, that's the guy who took, who took my, daughter. my daughter out yeah. on a date. So he steals this daughter's credit card, is using it. But like the, brazenly. Brazen. Like. <laughs> brazen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She calls his mom, Phyllis is her name, and says, like, look, your your son did this. And the the mom says, oh, he's he's a really good boy. Yeah. Uh, don't don't tell the police. Right. If you don't tell the police, I will. He'll go to rehab. Uh-huh. So the woman feels bad. Right. Who knows why? She's like, okay, fine. He had gone on this like joyride with an, another friend who it was a rich kid. And the father of the friend, mm-hmm. who's a rich person, mm-hmm. ends up being the one who pays the, bu- the bill. Okay. And Robert gets sent off to rehab. this rehab where he just he's supposed to do six months in rehab and instead he just drops out and just comes home how many how long i it didn't say but it wasn't long but he just starts doing drugs again and there's just like no accountability no accountability just like okay i'm back so i just want to put phyllis chambers (laughs) I mean, what do you think about this? I think, yeah, we have to put her on the board. His dad, Bob Chambers, he's... He's also a He's an alcoholic, alcoholic. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not around. They get divorced when? I forget. They never got divorced. Oh, he just leaves. He leaves her, but she's a very religious person, too. She's the connection with the Catholic Church, which is a, a very controversial connection in this case so phyllis very religious she cared for cardinal cook a cardinal in his last days and she became very well liked by the archdiocese of new york so when robert chambers is in jail and he's he he's not allowed to like the judge isn't allowing for him to leave on bail phyllis gets archbishop mccarrick So he's the Archbishop of Newark to write a letter to the judge and ask for the judge to allow Robert to go out on bail. The judge finally says, "Okay, you can go out on bail. One hundred and fifty thousand dollars sets the bail at that. And then the figures of the Catholic Church kind of like fundraise and pay for his bail. Unbelievable. And later it comes, you know, 
after some digging, it turns out that McCarrick was actually the godfather of of Robert Robert Chambers. Chambers. Later on, it comes out that McCarrick, I think this was in 2018, comes out McCarrick was accused of sexually abusing boys. So there you go. So a lot, a lot going on here. Let's put him on the board. McCarrick, right? I think so. I think so, too, because while he was out on bail, he was allowed to live at a church up in uh, Inwood. Yeah, Inwood. And while the trial was happening, like prominent members of the Catholic Church would come to the trial and like sit like it was like they chose sides. Really scary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. So, okay, so we have Bishop McCarrick and we have Robert Chambers up and we have Phyllis Chambers up on the board right now. Let's talk up about this Jack Littman. 
who is Robert Chambers's defense lawyer. Yes, let's talk about him. He's like a big bad villain. Okay. He's a criminal defense lawyer, most famous for the his blame the victim defense of Robert Chambers. While intellectual and cool in the courtroom, he adopted the strategy of soliciting juries' sympathies for the perpetrators of even the most horrible murders. This is from USA Today, an article. A friend of Miss Levin testified that a slain teen had said her previous encounters with Chambers had been the best sex she ever had, the Associated Press reported in 1988 about the closing arguments of the trial. So he, he says this in his closing arguments of the trial. That's why she pursued him. And that's why, unfortunately, this wound up the way it has. Yeah, sure. That was a quote by Littman. It was great sex. And she wanted it. I mean, it's just so disgusting. It's, the, it's the, horrifying. The, and the, and the, the, he was the one who leaked the false rumors of the sex diary. That was not true. And so, he's the one who got him on the, um, the cover of New York Magazine? Or is yes, that a different thing? New York Magazine. No, you're right. Okay. So November 10th, 1986. Right. This is a few months after the murder. Chambers comes out, cover of New York Magazine. He's a- accused of killing this Murder. woman. Front page, cover. He looks like a Kennedy. It's unbelievable. It's unreal. And it was just all to garner like sympathy for this poor white guy who was so handsome. Yeah. There's just no way he such a handsome face could commit a murder. Totally. I mean, it's the. I mean, I wish that I could say that like we live in very different times, but like the whole Brock Turner thing, it was the same thing. It was like let's not ruin this bo- this handsome, tall white man. Let's not ruin his life. This lawyer, this defense lawyer, he was a former assistant DA who gained prominence defending Richard Heron, a Yale graduate, on charges that he'd murdered his estranged girlfriend, another Yale student. Heron had confessed to bludgeoning her to death, but the jury convicted him only of manslaughter. Littman had tried to show that Heron's sense of identity was wrapped up in his relationship with the victim and that she had triggered his emotional collapse when she threatened to leave him. Oh, sure. (laughs) They all had it coming. These gals. I mean, is what this motherfucker is saying. It's so upsetting. It is. And this is what I, I, he's like, yeah. all right, well, it worked for um this guy, Richard Heron, so Yeah. I'll just do the same thing. It's it's just so it's 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 unbelievable. It's, it's infuriating. And it's unbelievable. Wh- I mean, what can we do? It's like I, I, my head feels like it's gonna explode. I know. So let's put Jack Littman up there, defense lawyer, for his victim blaming like strategy that he somehow perfected. Right. In trial. Okay, so I feel like We've got a good list going. Sure. I also feel like, I, I don't know how you feel about Linda Fairstein. She's the... Uh, I uh, don't feel great no. about her. So just so everyone knows, she's the uh, New York City Assistant District Attorney. And she... A controversial figure A, a very today. controversial figure because during her time as DA, she oversaw the prosecution of the Central Park Five case. Right where um, we all know were the five teenagers, four African-American, one Hispanic, wrongfully convicted of 1989 rape and assault in Central Park of a white female jogger. Right. So she's super into, like, white ladies getting justice. So that was in 1989. And 
And <laughs> this case was in 1986. Right. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. This is it's tough because obviously, like, you know, she's on the right side in this particular case. Yes. But, you know, knowing what we do know about who she is and what she's done, not on the right side of history. Right. I mean, it's interesting in, in this uh, documentary, they they have a much more like, I guess you could say compassionate take. OK, <laughs> I didn't watch it. No, no. It? I think we all know what happens later on. I think in this one, she was it was her first time. Uh-huh. And she I think she was the second ever female district attorney. Yeah. She was definitely at heads with this defense lawyer Who's who was a garbage. A true scumbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was as far as she felt and everyone else in their logical brain thought like, well, open and shut case, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. he did it. He did it. He did it. He confessed within hour. Look at the, you know, marks on her neck. Like he did it. He didn't just like shove her away. So she's trying her best I don't think we can put her up on the board for this Not for because this. Not for this. It, it, yeah. yeah. But I, I just wanted to point that out because that was a, a an important part of the case. Yeah. This was a, a another crazy thing as part of the case. So th- there was a lack of DNA that was allowed in the trial. But why was that? It was the judge didn't allow it because he said well, well, I'll read this Rolling Stone article I, I found online. Fairstein was any, unable to present to the court the DNA testing she had done on Levin's jean jacket, which found evidence of Levin's blood and spit. Fairstein believed that Chambers had gagged and strangled her with the jacket, but DNA testing was in its infancy and the court right. opted not to bring it into evidence. Okay, so it was because it's a new technology. Yes, uh, the judge just didn't allow it, but the judge is just doing so many... Making so many blunders. I mean, he like sets the bail. He like allows him to go out on bail. He allows, he doesn't allow for the DNA. Oh, the other thing was that they weren't allowed to talk about the burglaries that Robert Chambers had committed because they couldn't prove that he... Connected or... Okay, so when the body was found, she had sun tan... But no uh, rings. rings. Exactly. So oh like where, where her rings would be and then where her earrings would be, it was like suntan. And she had just gone uh, on a trip where she was talking about getting a suntan. That's what I recall from the documentary. So they were like, oh, she had jewelry. He he took it. He must have taken it. But they couldn't prove it, I guess, because they couldn't. They never found the jewelry in his possession. So... They weren't allowed to bring up all of the his previous burglaries, which would have I, I don't know if I was a jury member, I, I, yeah. I would be like, I'd be like, whoa, that changes the way I see him. Like he's not this like altar boy, prep school, handsome, charming guy. Like there's no, darkness there. A lot of darkness. And the other thing was that he was doing these burglaries with this other guy who was a drug dealer. And had a year before raped and stabbed a woman. So, okay, this is uh, you know this is who he's hanging out with. Anyway, they weren't allowed to bring that up. So all of this is to say that I want to put the judge up on the board. Great, I'm with you. <laughs> His name is Judge Howard Bell. Finally, I feel like there's two things we could talk about: the media. The, the way media, he was portrayed sure. in the media. Yes. 
we all saw, you know, if you go online, look up the New York Magazine 1986 cover. Um, and not just that, but the um, the, the sex post. diary. Oh. Like the there was a whole thing about the the sex diary, the way that the um, defense lawyer um, he th- there was no such thing as a sex diary, but he kept calling it a sex diary, and the post and all of the tabloids and and everything in in the 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 media in New York City would just say like the sex sex diary, sex diary, sex diary, and it just it was like an itinerary. It was or or a a, a schedule. I don't know. I I probably had a million of these. Yeah, of course, in my life, like you know, you write down your friends' numbers or like yeah, yeah. it's not a I mean, or like what you do that day. Yeah, sure. So I don't know. I, it, it's it's very it's all it's a it's a hard one because it's like it's being fed to them by the defense lawyer. It's being fed to them by the defense lawyer, but it's also. You know, I think a cultural patriarchal society. Like, I mean, this is it's 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 how we view things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like they're they're trying to fit a certain narrative so that this handsome white guy, right. who, like they could relate to on some level. Yeah, but what does know. the media have to get out of it? Just like it's selling, it's, it's selling cover? Yeah, like it's yeah. selling oh, newspapers? Gosh, of course it's selling. It's selling newspapers. So patriarchy, what you're saying is patriarchy sells. <laughs> well, I think that, I think that. Or sensationalism Sensationalism sells. sells. I mean, I, again, to bring it back to 2007, you know, I've been really like thinking about this a lot uh, just because I'm working on something that has to do with it. But I think if you remember like Us Weekly and OK Magazine and all of these like young women basically were like self-destructing and like we were seeing like, you know, their bare vaginas coming out of limousines and all this stuff. It was just it's almost like we wanted these young girls to be like crazy whores. Then like it doesn't matter what happens to them kind of. Like, no one's ever asking to be raped. No one's ever asking to be murdered. You know, and I think that, like, for the last 30 years, there has been kind of a narrative in our culture that it's like, you know, well, she drank too much. Oh, God. Or, you know, whatever. Like, whatever the thing is. I want to put the... I I just... I want to put the head of the New York magazine, then. (laughs) Yeah. I I I just I think like at the time I think it's like the media the media okay that's I that's what I think yeah it's it's a hard one because it's broad I know but in this case I felt like it was so blown out yeah that it does um, apply it's at least worthy of going up on the board mm-hmm. okay I mean is there are there any others that you'd like to put up. On the board, the the only other one I can think of is like this, like New York City social scene. But there were other people who were just having fun. You know yeah, what I mean? I guess if we're gonna put like the media, maybe we should put the social scene up there too. New York um, City social scene. I I mean I think that like especially in this particular case, status right. is really important. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why it got the attention that it did. Yeah. Okay, this is something I I found. I don't know where I found this. Oh, this is from a a New York magazine. This is from the New York magazine article of 1986. Chambers' problems can't be blamed entirely on the scene that had become such a major part of his life. But what the scene did was provide a cover, a setting in which Chambers' decline did not stand out. He was a nice guy, a normal guy, one of his friends recalls. But once in a while... 
He'd show this crazy streak and a strangeness. Of course, we were wrecked all of the time, so it was so it was hard to tell what was strange and what was just being high. So I guess what this friend is trying to say is that if they were doing more nor quote unquote normal things, then there would have been signs. Do we buy that? No, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think it's, uh, yeah, so he was a drug, like, I don't know. I I mean, he was a drug addict, and I guess what everyone was doing drugs at the time, I guess it was in the 80s, but doesn't that happen all the time? Yeah. I don't know. I've, I haven't watched Euphoria, but it sounds like it's, either, <laughs> it sounds like it's still happening. It does. In these, like, elite social circles. I, I'm, I'm just, pu- this is a quote from, um from townandcountrymagazine.com about Chambers. Plenty was also said about his checkered past, the fact that he'd been kicked out of several prestigious schools and that he had a history with drugs and had been to rehab. He quickly earned the nickname the Preppy Killer. This made it impossible not to imagine Chambers in a polo shirt and dockciders, perpetuating a bit of a casual violence on his way to playing tennis. It's like, that's that's it, that's it right? That's Once it. they name him like the Preppy killer it's kind of like you're imagining like you know some prep preppy kid that you know and not this like violent drug addict sociopathic murderer right as if it just kind of like happened yeah and it's just harder to believe because like you just don't see a killer wearing dockciders right right? polo shirt like it's like in your mind it's like a preppy killer you know who you know the preppy you know what i mean like you're I mean, now we know. Of course, we know. <laughs> I, he's not the he's not the first person to wear a, kill someone in a polo shirt. Absolutely not. You know, <laughs> but for some reason, at this time, it felt like it was. Yeah, or like he couldn't do it. I, but shouldn't we know better? Because like, aren't the uh, so many serial killers were good looking? Are are, are good looking? Ted Bundy, right. was a good looking guy. Yeah, I think it's also like there's something like completely demented about like women who are just like into oh yeah serial colors um related to this case he had a girlfriend at the time uh, well he had a girlfriend at the time that he committed the murder right and she left him and then he had a girlfriend afterward another girlfriend who went to trial she was like this beautiful girl who would go to trial and it kind of like softened him up because they were like, oh, a beautiful girl likes him. He can't be a killer. Right. So let's read what we have up on the board. Phyllis Chambers, Robert Chambers, Bishop McCarrick, who's the um, archbishop who Mm -hmm. wrote the bail letter, Jack Littman, Judge Howard Bell, the media, and New York social scene. So I think like right off the bat, I think we're going to say... Robert Chambers is guilty yes. of murdering Jennifer yes. Levin. Whatever happens He's to blame for the murder of Jennifer Levin. Yes. He's going to the alarmist jail. Correct. So let's start by knocking pe- people off. Like, I'm dying to take the social scene out. Yeah. Because it, while it I would. do think it's a contributor, I don't think we can actually blame it. Phyllis Chambers, oh, what an unlikable character she is. Yeah. Um, Jack Lippman, I, I can't get, I, I'm not going to take you off the board right now, but Judge Howard Bell, I mean, the, the the not allowing the DNA, he was definitely more lenient than he should have been, mm-hmm. but I don't think we, I mean, he's the ultimate decider of justice, right. but are we going to really take him off? 
I don't think we can take him off. I think, I, I mean, cool. I don't think we can cross him off. Okay. I think we can cross Phyllis? for the question. Yes, yes. Phyllis. Okay. So let's cross Phyllis off. Um, and we're putting a star next to Robert Chambers because he did it. Yeah, he, he literally did, do did the it. murder. He did it. So in terms of the question of who is responsible for Jennifer Levin not getting the justice that she deserves, yeah. can we cross off cross off Bishop McCarrick? Or did he legitimize and he and the Catholic Church, did they legitimize Robert Chambers in some way? Yes. Okay. So I think can, so. I think so too. I mean, it made him really made him much more credible. Sure. Can we blame the media? Absolutely. Yes, but of course, the media has a, a responsibility. But they were also being fed. They were being they were being tooled around by the lawyer. They were and they weren't. I think they were being tooled around by the lawyer. And I also think they were like, yum, 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 yum. Gimme, 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 gimme. So and then and then vomiting it out into uh, the universe. OK, so I think that they are. So this is blame. a hard one. We have. Bishop uh, McCarrick, Jack Littman, Judge Howard Bell, and the media up. And I don't know what we're going to cross off next. This is producer Maria. Um, well, the judge could only do what he was like. He was doing the jury. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he was doing his job in like, you know, evidence sometimes yes. doesn't get put in. Like, right. All that stuff. So. OK, so we can cross the judge let's, off. Let's He's just it. doing his job to the best of the uh, of his ability i mean i'm gonna make it more difficult but you just said like he was just doing his job to the best of his ability and i do believe that so was jack lipman <sighs> and so was the media oh so you're gonna tell me bishop mccarrick no then what do you i'm just saying this is a difficult question i know <laughs> I, but I, I mean, okay. I I like the idea. I mean, Jack. Lip, I think I, Jack I, Lipman and the media are, are, are together. absolutely together yeah. and tied for because they're to blame. they're disgusting. Like the yes. the 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 they're not uh, honorable people. Let's just no. say um, their I'm, intentions are gross. I'm gonna say the media, but they are doing their job. Yes, I would say Jack Lipman's more doing his job than the media is because the media is sensationalizing to and sell papers. And in fact, they're actually doing their job poorly. No, they're doing it well. Well, it depends what you think the media's job is. If it's sure. to if it's to <laughs> if it's to sell newspapers, yes, they're doing it well. But if it's to uh, accuracy and to then they're not doing a good job. Yeah, but what is their job? I, you know what I mean? I mean? That's like the yeah, age-old question. What is their job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have you ever had a tie before? We have. We try not to do that. Okay. Would you take Bishop uh, McCarrick I'll off? off? I'll take him off. Let's take him off. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's getting so... Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. <sighs> do you... Can you... Now, let me just put this out here. The jury's not supposed to read, watch, do anything while right. they're on trial. Yes. That's like a thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, my God. I know where you're going. If they're not. I'm not saying they didn't do that. But is there a case then to say the media wasn't involved with the jury's decision in how they perceived the case? I, I, I take your point, but it's also <laughs> impossible to because the trial like but the time period that happened 
between when the murder happened and when they actually went to trial. This was like a two-year process. Mm -hmm. So we'd have to assume that the jury was actually, the jury never got any outside information about this case, which I don't, I can't believe that that would happen. Me neither. It's hard because, again, Jack Littman is a defense lawyer. Right. But there has to be some kind of responsibility you have to society. I I agree. And the media, (laughs) 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 what you're saying, and I think it it is like, I I hear you don't want to do both. So I think we're just going to have to choose one. In this particular case, I think the media was really involved in perpetuating this kind of like slut shaming and ivy not not ivy league but like prep school like yeah it's like it's almost like it was a it turned it into like some just kind of like innocuous like nothing yeah thing where it's just like oh it's just this like boy right and instead of like a murderer Uh uh-huh what do you think maria well, tiebreaker. I would, I would I would say that, you know, if the media if something came out like if it, if Ted Bundy's defending himself in court and he goes, you know, I was just I didn't do anything wrong, the media is not then going to sensationalize that and say um like poor boy doesn't think like didn't do anything wrong, right? They're going right. to see through that and they're going to and they're going to say the better story is guy got girls into his car with, you know, his fake cast. So the media could have very well seen through right. Jack Lippman's defense, but the better story is course, right. they didn't want killer to. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So I would say yeah. that in this particular case, as with any case with the sensationalized kind of murder that it is very much how the media decides to portray it yeah. that gives the public their perception. I, I, yeah. I'm with, I'm with that. This has been a tough call, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think for this particular case now, I don't like to blame the media. Are you it's not convinced? My, Are you not? No, on- I, I, I think that they were... T- Again, they were tooled around by by the defense lawyer and they allowed it to happen because they wanted to sell. And that's just not okay. That's not the way I think they 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 could have they could have done a better job of helping us see who this human being was who died. Right. Um they could have taken a different approach. So, I think it's settled. The media. The media. You're going to the alarmist jail. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya. Now we have no newspapers because the media's in jail. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, oh, and we should say Robert Chambers, you're also going to the oh, yeah. jail. Uh, Robert Chambers, you're absolutely guilty of murdering uh, Jennifer Levin. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. This was a very interesting conversation. Important conversation. And I can't wait to get further into it. Um, highly recommend this documentary. Yeah. Uh, if you guys can watch. It's a Sundance AMC documentary. The documentary is called The Preppy Murder, Death in Central Park. Directed by Ricky Stern and 
Sunberg. Thank you so much for listening. Please let us know your thoughts. Go to our Instagram at the alarmist podcast. Also send us emails at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com. And please go to Facebook to vote for who you think should have gone to the alarmist jail. After the murder. Based on a USA Today article, one way the case may play out differently today is thanks to the Rape Shield Bill, which Levin's mom, Ellen, advocated for. The sexual past of a crime victim, alive or dead, is no longer permissible in court. Chambers served most of his 15-year sentence at Auburn State Prison, but was later moved to Clinton Correctional Facility due to several infractions, which cost him all his time off for good behavior. He was released from Auburn Prison on February 14, 2003. After a series of drug-related arrests and convictions since his release, on August 11, 2008, the Manhattan DA's office announced that Chambers had pleaded guilty to selling drugs. On September 2, 2008, he was sentenced to 19 years on the drug charge. As of now, he is at Sullivan Correctional Facility in New York State. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing who's to blame for the Alcatraz jailbreak. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.